This podcast series is supported by members at Patreon. If you want to support this podcast series, head to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. The brewing industry is all about community. And what better way to catch up with everyone than at the Great American Beer Festival? Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron and I'm Cascadian. I have a background in radio and television broadcasting. I'm a music producer and have a passion for beer. I don't consider myself an expert in beer by any means, but I do enjoy and respect the craft and the passion of these brewmasters. I want to learn from these pioneers on what sets them apart from the rest and why they choose to call Cascadia their home. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest and the North American continent. It is made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. In this podcast series, I profile the unique breweries of Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence on the international beer scene. On this episode, I've traveled back to Denver for the Great American Beer Festival 2018. This is my second time attending the festival, and I was really looking forward to catching up with friends of the podcast from Cascadia, as well as those that I'd met last year while attending. And of course, meet new breweries and new people along the way. I wanted to start this episode off by getting a clearer picture to the craft beer industry in the past year. For that, I was fortunate enough again to sit down with Chief Economist for the Brewers Association, Bart Watson. My name is Bart Watson and I'm Chief Economist at the Brewers Association. And it is fantastic to see you again. We saw each other almost this time last year. I mean, it was October uh, last year. Uh, We're at the Great American Beer Festival 2018 in Denver. And are you excited? (laughs) I'm I'm excited. This is one of those events every year that re-energizes me, that gets me excited. You get to see everybody in the beer industry. You get to see how excited the consumer still is about beer and, and craft beer. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a fun few days. All right. So you are the economist for the BA. So let's crunch some numbers here. Things were looking really positive last year. Mm-hmm. Things were on the on the up. Um, I remember you said uh, we were seeing between 70 to 80 closures of breweries mm-hmm. kind of annually. Has that changed at all? I mean, I kind of feel like there might've been a bit of a down slump um, in terms of openings. Yeah, we've seen um, certainly that closing number rise. It's um, risen a little bit as a percentage. You know, some of this is just we have a lot of breweries now. And so even if a low percentage of them close, that's a much higher number than it was a few years ago. Um, I think some of it is it's a tougher market than it was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, more people are recognizing that, you know, maybe they're not getting the growth they expected to get and are choosing to close down. You know, I think we'll probably see between two and 300 closers this year, which um, is going to be the most that we've seen. But as a percentage is still, you know, only a a few percent of the industry and way below what you see in a lot of other small businesses. Yeah. So today, do you know off the top of your head how many breweries we have in America here? If I had to guess a number right now that are active, probably about 6,800. So we're approaching 7,000. I think we're going to hit 7,000 by the end of the year. Uh, It's going to be the most we've ever seen. And you know, it's worth noting that even with all those closures, we're still seeing openings outpace closures, Mm -hmm. um, probably three to one. And we're going to see more openings this year than maybe we saw last year. So there's still tremendous excitement about getting in, but certainly it's tougher than it was a few years ago. And we were seeing openings last year, like kind of in kind of well-established hubs already. Have we kind of seen that spread across the board? I think we're still seeing it at least statewide in places where there are already a lot of breweries. It's actually 
really baffling to me how much more density you're getting in places where there are already a lot of breweries. Mm-hmm. Like um, Portland, for example. Yeah. Uh, um, there certainly are limits to this, though. And, yep. you know, I think we've finally seen the tipping point in a couple of the the very leading cities. Uh, Portland, San mm-hmm. Diego are places where it's starting to be a little bit more one in, one out. And occasionally even one going in or, you know, one coming out and, and not getting replaced by another brewery, which is something we certainly didn't see in those cities a few years ago. So um, it is changing, but generally speaking, most of the openings are still in states that have a lot of breweries. So overall, industry as a whole, did we see growth or is it just uh, kind of been stable again? We see growth. Right. Um, and, you know, that I think that's worth stressing that, you know, even in a slowdown, mm-hmm. it's a growing industry. Yep. Um, I think, you know, there is a question about whether there's enough growth for everyone to succeed. But, you know, I think we're going to see four or five percent growth when all is said and done this year. And in an industry that's, you know, 25 million barrels, I mean, we're going to see a million barrels of growth. And and that's something five or 10 years ago would have been a remarkable achievement. Yeah. And uh, what are we sitting at uh, market share wise in terms of um, the overall consumption here? I, I think we're looking in probably somewhere in the 13% range in terms of volume share uh, mm-hmm. when all is said and done this year. Dollar sales are always stronger and we continue to see strong dollar sales growth, particularly because so much of the growth is in the tail, yep. uh, which is, you know, higher price point on average, more likely to be on premise. So, um, you know, it's possible we're going to get to 23, 24% of, of dollar sales this year. And then like last year too, um, we were really looking at uh, kind of the tasting rooms mm-hmm. just really exploding and not necessarily packaging the products and sending it anywhere. Has that kind of come about? Yeah, the tasting rooms still are where a lot of the dynamism is. That's certainly, you know, when we talk about more breweries opening than ever, most of them are banking on a direct-to-consumer, locally-focused model. These aren't breweries that are starting up and expecting to be packaging and broader distribution like we saw maybe five years ago. So that's certainly where some of the growth is. I don't think it's all the growth, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, last year it was probably 30% of the growth, and this year it might be more like 40 or 50% of the growth that we see coming direct from those brewery sales. So you said last year um, we're seeing most of the breweries 75% are making less than a thousand barrels. Is mm-hmm. that still the case? That's still the case. Yeah, you know, yeah. we still see that long tail, um, you know, dominating the number of breweries. And so it's it's worth keeping that in perspective. I mean, we're moving toward a world where we have seven, eight, nine thousand breweries, but you know, that that long tail, most of those aren't going to make very much beer. And, you know, when you think about 75% of the breweries, um, you know, that's a huge number of breweries. And if you add up all their beer, they're making about one out of 200 beers in the US. They have about a half a percent of the market share. So mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of breweries and not a lot of beer. And then the conversation last year that we were having too was uh, there was a lot of talk about malt being the new hops. Mm-hmm. Um, how have those those feeder industries, as it were, uh, for the brewing industry come about? Have we seen growth in that sector too, or is everything just kind of just kind of happy as it is? We've been seeing tremendous growth in hops in recent years. I think we're starting to see that slow down, um, and perhaps there was maybe even a little bit of an overbuild in hops. You know, particularly mm-hmm. in certain varieties. Um, you know, one thing to note is that the hops industry is a global one. Mm-hmm. Even if hop growers aren't seeing as much demand growth as they've seen here in the U.S., overseas we're seeing craft explode as well. And American hops are really the signature flavor mm-hmm. of uh, what craft beer is now globally. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to see some growth there just because of global demand. Um, on the malt side, certainly there has been some growth. You know, I don't think it's quite as as fast. And and certainly malt being the new hops, is, we're not quite there yet. We've certainly mm-hmm. seen a lot of sessionable styles grow, yep. um, but they're not necessarily super malt forward styles. So we'll see if that changes. I, I still think that's a lot of of green space for brewers to explore. Right. And then also there was talk last year about um, kind of ciders were becoming the new popular thing. Um, has that had much of effect in terms of beer or where where is the cider percentage with the BA? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't track cider um, 
as closely. Um, certainly some of our members make cider and we're seeing increasingly a lot of them are more interested in cider. And there's been a lot of growth this year in, you know, particularly rosé ciders have mm-hmm. been a, a big thing, uh, you know, driving chunks of the market. You know, there's overlap there. I mean, some people who are drinking cider are drinking beer and vice versa. Um, some people are drinking cider because they don't like beer and vice versa. So I think we're still seeing growth in the cider market. It's it's really split at kind of the the larger producer. It's you know some of those rosés are the products that are they're growing really well. But there's a lot of small producers in cider, just like in beer, and a lot of them are, are focused on you know drier ciders, on kind of you know really getting that those local dry flavors. So um, the cider market's an interesting one. It's it's definitely not as developed as the beer market um, mm-hmm. in the U.S., but it's one that I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the in the coming years. Uh, which state saw the most growth last year? In terms of volume, volume yeah. growth, um, that's a good question um, that I probably should know off the top of my head. Um, you know, I, I'd have to guess that it's you know one of the states that we're seeing come online, mm-hmm. um, you know, and grow rapidly. You know, a state like you know Texas. Um, you know, we have seen some slowdown in in some of the leading states. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Colorado. You know, California aren't growing quite like they once were. Yep. You know, part of that too is that breweries in those states are building second breweries out of state rather yeah. than growing in state now. So there's been a lot of growth in in states that are a little less traditional for craft. Virginia has been one that's really moved up a lot of the rankings recently. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina has seen a ton of growth yeah. uh, just because of the second breweries. So that might be the one that has had the most production growth just because second breweries are opening there. And if uh, I recall off memory, both those states, Virginia and North Carolina, took home a lot of medals last year too. So, I mean, it's it's really seems to be happening over there. Yeah, both of those are states where there's been a conscious push by the state to develop the industry, but they're also ones where there's a really dynamic industry. It's not, you know, it's not just state driven, but there's also that consumer pull. People are excited. You're seeing the industry develop. So, uh, you know, one of the things that has been excited is, and I'll contradict myself from earlier, is that, we, you know, we have seen some some new places really pop online and, mm-hmm. you know, craft isn't just the California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Vermont, you know, mm-hmm. handful of states. And, you know, there's tremendous growth in New York, uh, which which has been a state that's kind of been a sleeping giant for years. So uh, we're seeing lots of places, you know, really start to develop. And and if craft's going to get growth in the coming years, it's going to be those places, you know, more so than leading states that really drive it. And then numbers wise, how's the Pacific Northwest doing Washington and Oregon? You know, we're still seeing growth in, in a number of breweries. Oregon certainly has slowed. I think Oregon's starting to really, I mean, the per capita numbers are very high. You know, more than 20% of, of the beer that is drunk is produced in state. And by small producers, that's a tremendous statistic in a state that doesn't have a large brewery in it. Yep. And, you know, so I think you're seeing a little bit slower growth there because it's it's just reaching that mature market point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington seems like it's still growing. Uh, certainly a number of breweries and that long tail continues to grow, but maybe it isn't quite what it was a year or two ago. Okay. And what is the one thing that you're most excited about numbers wise uh, for the next year? Like what's a big projection that you, that you'd like to see happen? Um, What's a projection that I would like to see happen? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, I always like to see, you know, a high success rate. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not sure that we're going to see that success rate stay as high as it has been just Mm -hmm. because it's a more competitive market. Um, I'm excited to see the consumer demand for at the brewery sales continue to grow and watch that. I mean, that's one that that's probably the number I I get most interested in every quarter is the TTB premise use number, seeing Mm -hmm. how that's growing. Uh, Because for so many of these breweries, that's really where they're going to make it or break it. If they can continue to get consumers excited, have high service quality, have high beer quality and get them into their tasting rooms and get those margins. Mm -hmm. That's where most breweries are going to succeed or fail. All right. And uh, the festival hasn't even started yet. Um, So 
Uh, is there a particular thing that you're excited about upstairs that you're going to check out once we get the doors open here? You know, every year, one of the things I'm most excited about is just to be surprised by, you know, what are the styles that suddenly I wasn't, I weren't on my radar and you start seeing lots of breweries mm-hmm. uh, have. I mean, it's often a really good leading indicator of what's going to be big. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see what people are bringing that, you know, maybe they weren't a year or two ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's lots of new things upstairs. Uh, first time ever Colorado uh, Convention Center is going to have food trucks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of areas that are redesigned. Buffalo Wild Wings is building a sports bar so I can watch the Stanford Oregon game on uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not the only reason they're building it, but that's that's what I like to believe. I've, I'd, I'll give you credit if uh, if you had a hand in making yeah, that happen. Um, so, so, yeah. th- so that's going to be awesome. So it's going to be, it's the biggest space we've ever had. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm super psyched. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm hoping for more saisons this year, Like, mm. but I also think uh, we're going to find probably a lot of brute IPAs. Like That seems to be the fancy style at the moment. So. That'll be an interesting one to watch. It'll be interesting to see if Brute IPA has spread geographically. I mean, certainly yeah. that's a style you see a ton in on the West Coast and you know, mm-hmm. starting to be in Colorado. And but that's a great indication of has that style spread to breweries in Ohio? Is it mm-hmm. bred, you know, yeah. uh, spread across the country? And, and that can really be a good sign that, oh, this is going to be something that's to watch in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And then plus, I just want to be surprised by, I didn't think that you could do that. And yeah. You did it good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Bart for his time. Now the festival's getting started and I just wanted to reflect again on what the Great American Beer Festival is and how we got to where we are today. For a full recap of the history, you can check out my previous episode on the Great American Beer Festival from last year at Cascadian.beer. But for a quick recap on the festival, I spoke with the director of the Homebrewers Association. Gary Glass, director of the American Homebrewers Association. And how important is the American Homebrewers Association to JABF? Like, what is the relationship? Well, the American Homebrewers Association started the JABF, so it's pretty important. Yeah, yeah all of this came from uh, came from homebrewing. Uh, Charlie Fazian started the AHA in 1978. Three years later, he started the Great American Beer Festival. Um, so it was really a bunch of homebrewers who got the breweries from all across the country together it's like the first time this happened in the United States where the breweries were together in a beer festival. And then it's expanded into what you see now. And part of the competition is the Pro-Am. Uh, what exactly is the Pro-Am and what role does that play in the competition? So the Pro-Am is members of the American Home Brewers Association who have won awards in competition. Breweries scale up those recipes and, and produce them and then enter them into the competition. So it's a, a collaboration between home brewers and, and professional brewers uh, making beer and then entering into the Great American Beer Festival. So we award medals to both the uh, the home brewer and the and the professional brewer for those that win the competition. So if somebody was wanting to get into some, uh, well, just get into home brewing, uh, where are some good resources that you can direct them to? Uh, well, a great resource is our website, homebrewersassociation.org. We've got a ton of free information, videos. Uh, they can walk people through the process. So really encourage people to start out very simple with an extract batch, make it really easy, and then uh, from there, the sky's the limit. When was the last time you brewed? Uh, the last time I brewed was a, a couple of weeks ago. What'd you make? I made a, a, a steam beer, a California Common. All right, sweet. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much to Gary for his time. Really appreciate it. Now the festival's underway, so I just wanted to hit the floor and see what was happening around at the Great American Beer Festival. My name is Patrick Harris. I'm the taproom manager for our mass production facility at, at Breakside Brewery in Milwaukee, Oregon. And I also manage at uh, one of our tap, our new tap room downtown at Slaptown. And so Breakside, I mean, you guys have expanded a lot in recent years. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Last year, we kind of got, uh, I think our barrelage was 24,500 barrels. This year, we're going to knock on 30. 
So we're seeing that, you know, 15 to 20% growth is kind of our, kind of our ideal spot right now. We don't want to get too big too quickly, uh, but natural progression, the, the demand, the market wants more beer and we're trying to give them more beer. Yeah. So how is Portland as a whole, as a scene at the moment, is, is there, is the, is it kind of plateaued or, or stable, shall I say? Oh man, that this is the question I probably get the most. Most people ask because, you know, in the greater Portland area, we probably have 93 breweries somewhere around there and everyone's worried about saturation. And I always say this, Portland does not need more breweries. However, we will always drink good beer. So if you open a spot and you make great beer, we're going to come to you. The market is not saturated. We're so supportive of each other. We're all friends with each other. There's no competition. Obviously, we need to sell bottles, sell kegs, and you know make money to pay our employees and things like that and accolades. But at the end of the day, we all love beer in Portland so much that we're rooting for each other. So if you make great beer, you get to hang out. That's all we say. Right. So Portland, you're there. Do you uh, venture out much? Who in Washington is, is uh, inspiring you? Ooh, the people in Washington. Uh, my my like my baby right now. I don't I don't specifically know anybody up there, but Rubens out of Seattle over in Ballard. I lived in Ballard for a little bit. Rubens wasn't there when I lived there. That's my darling. That's my baby. I think those guys make such fantastic beer and I'm so happy for them. And I just hope they continue their success. And if you haven't had Rubens, get on it. The Goza is absolutely amazing as as seen here at GABF. They've given love to Rubens. It's time for everyone to give love to them too. And then how about Canada? Who is a favorite BC standout for you? Well, you know, we got some friends up there at Yellow Dog. You know, we we know those guys and I, I, I have to give a shout out to them. We've collabed with them. They make great stuff too. They understand Brett. They understand IPA. Mass love to the Yellow Dog kids. So has anything stood out for you here at the festival yet? Like what's a beer that's like really caught your attention anywhere? Ooh, ooh, it's a tough call. There's so many places. I'm just trying not to get too drunk, to be honest with you. It's so easy. You just look and you're like one sip, one ounce. I can put this back real quick. To be honest, I haven't got there yet. Right. I know, so I know that's a bad answer. But, uh, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, so this is my second time here. And last year, the best advice I got uh, before the festival even started was from another media guy from Fort Collins. And I said, what's the best advice you could give me? He says, you're already two beers in. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, the air is thin. You're two beers in. Yeah, I heard something the same. I asked some friends that work in it for our company and some friends that work for other breweries in the Portland area. I said, what's the biggest advice? They said, to be honest, there's so much beer. You're going to drink so much beer that if you taste something and it's not good, spit it out. You don't have to finish it. Because if you just say, ah, oh, whatever, I can kill this one ounce beer, two hours later, you're on the floor. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. Not a problem, man. Good luck. All right. Friend of the podcast. Great to see you again. Your name? Aaron Hamrick from Dry Dock Brewing Company. And you're in Aurora, Colorado. Yes. And how have you guys been the past year? We've been good. We're really gearing up for 2019, and 2018's been great. And how many beers do you have entered in the competition this year? Do you know um, off the top of your head? We, we have at least eight. So we're hoping to get another medal. Okay. Well, best of luck to you. And uh, it's always great trying your beers because they are fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> ben Sable with Circle Brewing Company. And uh, I'm drinking your historical IPA. What's historical about it? Well, uh, pretty much everything is historical about it. We were as accurate and true to historical accuracy as we possibly could be. Uh, and recreating the beer. Uh, we work with a micro maltster to recreate the malt that went into it. 
Uh, we researched a bunch of different recipes at the time, uh, 300 years ago at Paleos that they were sending around the, around the world. Took an amalgamation of that, recreated that recipe. We then took that recipe, brewed it, then put it into barrels, inoculated with Britannomyces because during those trade routes, all of those barrel stays are getting broken down and reused over and over again. Bread contamination was an absolute certainty at the time. So by the time it got to its destination, it had secondarily fermented with bread. Uh, and this beer is the result. So we did all of those things as, as best we could. And hopefully when you drink uh, some of this beer, you're, you're drinking what it tasted like 300 years ago to drink an IPA. And you're from Austin, Texas. Uh, what was the malt company that you worked with? Uh, Blackland's Malt. And where, where are they based? Uh, they're based in Cedar Park, Texas. All right, cool. And then how's the festival been for you? Uh, how many years have you been open and uh, how many times attending? I've uh, been open eight years uh, with Circle, but uh, this is my 10th GABF in a row, yeah. Cool, well, thank you for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Annie Johnson. And you're representing? Pico Brew. Uh-huh. And how has Pico Brew been? Because I saw you guys last year, you uh, introduced the still. What's new this year from you? Uh, the Z. So the Z is the second iteration of the Zymatic. So we've taken a lot of users' feedback, and then our, use, our engineering department has changed some things about it. Uh, dimensions, weight, speed, brewability, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how's the reception been uh, with Pico in the past year? It's been great. Really good. We, ha we did also launch um, our U, which is our universal model that does everything from beer to spirits to coffee and kombucha and fusion beverages and we put that on hold to finish out the z and uh, push out the still because we have a lot of users that want that we've rolled out about 1200 of those so we're pushing out about a hundred a week and should have that all fulfilled in a month six weeks and then the u will blast out again in january right awesome and then uh, what are the plans for next year a major expansion going on I don't know. <laughs> I think it's um, with all the SKUs that we do have, it's managing those. And then they, with the U, that'll be enough for the next year for us. And then with our Pico units, with all of our brewery partners are adding on to those. So I believe since I saw you last or last year, GABF, we've added on another 75 brewery partners, which brings us up to almost 250 which is a lot. And when we first started signing them was at GABF a couple years ago. So I, I'm pretty proud of that. And I mean, you need to check all these recipes too, like with the breweries to make sure that they're kind of in line with what they're brewing, correct? We do. We, we uh, once we get the recipe and then we scale it up and, or scale it down actually in our lab, it goes through rigorous QC and sensory panel. And then we send it off to the brewery so they can also sign off on it. Sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. And then we, you know, we do some changes, but then once it's signed off, um, I've, I'm confident, the brewery's confident, but it's a very detailed process. But it, you want it, you're, you're using a brewery's bread and butter. I mean, this is their beer, so you need to be able to represent them. And people want that at home, not just when they go to the brewery. So it's, it's, so it's nice to have, it, to have it at those places. Thank you so much. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's always good to see you. <laughs> Yeah, my name's Dane Barch, founder of Eastern Market Brewing Company in Detroit, Michigan. And how long have you been open? We are less than a year. Next week is actually our one year. 
Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So obviously first time here too, and we're in Brewer's Row. How's the reception been for you? It's been great. I mean, it's just so much great beer here. It's unbelievable how big it is. There's a couple of festivals in Michigan, but nothing like this. It's been great. And what's the reception been like? How have people been responding to your beer? Uh, it's been uh, it's been great. You don't see a lot of New England style IPAs out here. I've come to realize, although there's a lot of growth, so we're having to explain them to some folks, and they're really liking them. Our white coffee stout, though, has been the one that people keep coming back for. Yeah, I had that. That's really tasty, man. Great work on that. Um, so my favorite question to ask is, uh, how did beer find you? Oh, man, it was a long journey. Uh, we actually found an old building in Eastern Market in Detroit that we wanted to um, bring back to life. And there had been a long brewing tradition in Detroit. And so we thought we'd bring the two together and start a brewery. One of my other founders is a home brewer. So he brought his passion in and started the, the brewery. All right, great. And uh, how can people learn more about you? Uh, come to our website, easternmarket.beer, and they're on Instagram and Facebook. Sweet. Thanks so much for the chat. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. It's not just breweries at the Great American Beer Festival. In fact, in that previous segment, we heard from Pico Brew, and there's a lot of other great opportunities and great industries represented at the Great American Beer Festival. And with that, there's the media coverage. So I spoke with some fellow media types like myself. Eric Beist. I am a hop storyteller for Hop Stories. Right. And how long have you been coming to do uh, the Great American Beer Festival? This is our second year here. Definitely learned a lot and been having a great time drinking some good beers and seeing some good friends. So, yeah. so uh, what stood out for you uh, during the festival? Well, you know, it's every year it's kind of this crazy party where there's tons of good beer. Um, so it's really hard to pick just one beer that stood out. There have been a couple really big barrel-aged stouts that, you know, start your night with something like that and kind of warm the palate up and then uh, maybe head to the sours. Uh, Speciation from Michigan. They're killing it. I made sure to hit them early, actually, because they were just out of beer last year, every time I tried. And uh, what is Hop Stories all about? Uh, so we do video photography for the craft beer industry, a little bit of marketing, some social media assistance, but yeah, video. All right, cool. And how can uh, we find you? Uh, you can check us out at hopstories.com or Instagram at hopstories, Facebook slash hopstories. Uh, we're, we're fairly active on Instagram, though. Sweet. Great to see you, Eric. Great to see you. So I'm at the Great American Beer Festival, and uh, it's nice that you run into friends, especially Canadian friends. Who are you, sir? Uh, my name's Tim LaHaye, and I am the craft beer tourist, craft tourist on Instagram. Right. And what is it that you do? Well, you know what? I love to hike mountains. I love to travel, and I love to uh, drink and showcase BC craft beer. But traveling the world and experiencing the craft beer and the culture that exists whether it be on the west coast of North America or into uh, you know the mountains here in Denver, it's it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of breweries here, a lot of beer, and the exploring and the adventuring is what what draws me here. Right. So this is your first time at the Great American Beer Festival, right? Yes, it it absolutely is. And what, this is night two. I saw you last night. So uh, what are your impressions? There's a lot of beer here, Aaron. Uh, I got to say, uh, I was a little overwhelmed when I was looking at the numbers and I heard 800 breweries and 4,000 beers. And I had that FOMO thing going on, fear of missing out. But when it came down to it, I figured if I didn't have a game plan and I didn't have a list of places that I had to make sure that I had, and I just took the time to take it all in and enjoy it and experience it for what it is, you know, find the place with the short lineups, chat with as many people as I can that... You know, I leave here with a, you know, a great experience. And so far, the, the game plan is being executed perfectly. 
So uh, what have been some highlights for you? Because this is a chance for us to try some beers that we can't get on the West Coast at all. Well, today I did have uh, uh, something from Weldworks. They, their coconut, Imperial coconut, was amazing. It's like 13.5%, and it had mouthfeel like a beer I've never had before. I almost felt like I was drinking pudding. Um, but, yeah, that one was delicious. Uh, I actually just enjoyed a quadruple IPA that weighed in at 15%. It, it was definitely a standout as well. I, I, I'm amazed that I couldn't taste as much booze in it as you would expect for a 15% beer. But, uh, I mean, really, it's just, it's for me, I'm going to walk up. I'll try some Gozes. I'll try some fruit beers. I'll try some Kolsch. I just had a delicious Kolsch. Cross a few breweries off the bucket list and just enjoy it, like I said, for what it is. And we just uh, had some great beers over at Dry Dock, too, which is a favorite of mine here. Yeah, definitely. They just cracked a, a barrel-aged Imperial uh, Russian Stout, and it was 12.5%. And wow, like that beer, it was one of those ones where I, I actually had two samples of it because it was just that good. I really enjoyed it. Great to see you, man. Yeah, you too, buddy. I'm here with another podcaster. Uh, who are you, sir? My name is Chris Lukey. I'm the host of Pubcast Worldwide, the show where what and where we're drinking is just as important as what we're talking about. And I know you're a podcaster because you touched my mic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I, I know the, the, the ins and outs of this, especially in a noisy environment like we are here in right now at the great American Beer Festival. Right. So uh, how's your podcast doing? Like, how long have you been running? So, yeah, good question. So I've been podcasting about two years now. I recorded the first episode on October 27th, 2016 in San Francisco. And now we're just about a month out from that, so almost at the two-year mark. Right, and uh, how's it going? Like, how's the response been? Response has been great. I mean, it's opening up a lot of doors. You know, the unique thing about the show is I don't just interview brewers. I interview, like, musicians, B-list celebrities, interesting people, travelers. Really, whenever I'm traveling around the world, whether that's in Australia or London or somewhere in California where I live, I'm looking for the best bars and breweries to do an interview with unique people that have a great story. Right. And uh, is this your first time here at the festival? Second time, actually. First time doing media here. Last time I was uh, here just trying to get a lay of the land. And by get a lay of the land, I mean get pretty buzzed and have a good time. But it's a great event. I mean, we've got over 800 breweries here this year, over 4,000 beers. It's the biggest it's ever been. You can feel the energy. Like, we're doing this interview in, like, the middle of a crowd of people right now. Like, we're in Brewer's Row, actually, where we're doing this, where you can meet the brewers. So, has uh, any brewery stood out for you so far? Ooh, wow. You know, one thing that jumps to mind, I'll answer this question two ways. So, some of the changes I've seen this year with the Caskmates program with Jameson, where there's essentially an area specifically dedicated to barrel-aged beers. You know, when I come here... There are a lot of great breweries from across the country, but I always make sure I pick like 12 or so that I'm really excited about. Ren House from Arizona is at the top of my list that I, I haven't been over there yet. Night Shift up in New England's a great one. Um, some favorites from when I was living in Texas, like Eighth Wonder Brewing. There's just a few that jump out that I'm always really excited to see here at the show. All right, well, thank you so much for the chat. Cheers, man, I appreciate it. At the Great American Beer Festival, it is a wide range of people. New breweries that have only opened in the past year, others that have been around five or six years, and then there are the true landmarks in the beer industry. I'm Garrett Oliver, and I'm brewmaster at Brooklyn Brewery. And Brooklyn, you guys are quite an influencer because we get your stuff out on the West Coast a lot and really love your beers. 
Um, so my question for you really is, where do you see the industry at the moment and where do you think we need to go? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're in a moment of a, a great evolution where, uh, I mean, if you were here 15 years ago, what you would have seen was something which was at least somewhat fringe. Now we see craft beer become the mainstream in a certain way. Uh, a lot of craft beer drinkers are still drinking uh, industrial beers as well. But, you know, we're becoming the norm rather than the exception. And I think that's a, that's a great thing. You know, you're seeing a lot of evolution of uh, uh, whether you agree with the names or not, like IPA styles or things that people are calling IPAs. You know, lots of sour beers, lots of barrel-aged beers, and really showing off the breadth of what beer really is. And if somebody was to open a brewery in this atmosphere now, what would be some advice that you could give them? Well, think of what uh, it is that uh, you really want to do and that you feel you can do better than anybody else and then bring it and bring that and only that because you're in a, a market with 7,000 other brewers. You know, if you're going to show up, you'd better mean it. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. My name is Robin Brower, soon to be Robin Wibby with Wibby Brewing. All right. And uh, you mentioned that because last year you had a pretty big event here happening at the Great American Beer Festival. I did. We won our first medal. We took a silver in the Munich-style Dunkel category, dark lager, and we won the silver medal for our Moondor Dunkel, and we got engaged on stage at that moment. My fiancé now um, dropped to one knee and proposed. It was a total surprise and a um, <laughs> life-changing paradigm shift in mine. So. I stood up and clapped for you last year. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't think we stopped screaming for like a week. Yeah. So uh, you're actually a Washingtonian, right? I am. I'm from the just north of Seattle area. I went to high school in Seattle. All right. And so uh, what brought you to Colorado? The sunshine, the skiing, the climbing, mainly outdoor recreation, which is a little twist of sunshine on what Washington had to offer at the time. All right. <laughs> What's your brewery all about? What do you guys focus on? We craft really tasteful modern lagers. We do a traditional German style and approach. We lager in horizontal lagering tanks, but all lagers, no ales um, at all. And then how have you been received in your community? Um, it's been really different. We've been actually, I think they always say, one of the best forms of flattery is um, <laughs> when, when people maybe um, take some of those ideas and incorporate them into their own breweries. Or, and, and we are seeing a lot of that transition kind of happening in neighboring breweries of ours. They're starting to make lagers and rattlers and dunkles and so it is really exciting to see a couple we do a ton of IPLs as well and it's a really nice twist a clean um, approach to the IPA and um, so really well received. So this is day two the awards are tomorrow obviously you're not going to get engaged again but like <laughs> how many how many beers do you have entered in the competition this year? We entered six in we did a pro-am um, we did a, a collaboration and then we did four of our flagships. All right and then uh, is, you want the dunkle to, to get something again is that what you're holding out for? <laughs> That would be awesome. It would be great to get upgrade that silver to a gold. I think we'd be happy to take home anything. It'd be an honor, and it's one of the you know largest competitions. So for us, it's it's really nerve wracking. I think we are, we've had our tummies in knots all week. So <laughs> yeah, and I've tried a couple of your beers. They're fantastic, and it's great to chat with you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. My name is Paul Mahoney, and I'm the head brewer at Launchpad Brewery. And Launchpad is located out of we're in Aurora, Colorado, out by Buckley Air Force Base. And so that has something to do with the name, right? Just a little bit. So uh, what do you guys tend to focus on at the brewery? Uh, we tend to focus on standard classical styles, everything from German Kolsch's and Hef's, um, nice farmhouse style saisons, all the way down to uh, New England IPAs, milkshake IPAs, barrel-aged stouts. We do kind of a little bit of everything, including sours. And you guys uh, won a couple medals last year, right? Uh, we won a medal at JBF last year for our Cherrywood Session Smoke Porter, and then we also won a, a World Beer Cup bronze for it as well. 
All right. The awards are tomorrow. Uh, how many beers do you have entered? Uh, we have five total in competition. We have four for the, uh, the almost every brewery got four this year, but we have one in collaboration as well. All right. And uh, what is a beer that you're pouring here that you're really proud of? Um, I'm definitely really proud of the Peacekeeper Porter. It has done well for us, uh, taking home some hardware. So we're hoping it does it again. Um, probably one of my favorites is the Cape Canaveral Key Lime Pie Saison. This brings me back to home. Yeah, no, that was that was really great when I had it. Uh, you brought that out last year, right? And uh, yeah, it was so good. Yep, yeah, we had it last year and uh, kind of been tweaking the recipe. We actually changed styles for, uh, not, the, not the actual base style, we changed styles for what, what uh, entry it's going to be in this year. So we'll see how it does. All right, well, best of luck tomorrow. Appreciate it, you too. Andrew Shelton, I'm with High Sign Brewing and I'm the head brewer there. And out of Austin, Texas, right? That's correct. How long you guys been open? Oh, man. Uh, we're coming up on our second year in March. Right. And what do you guys focus on? Like, what's what's your beer speciality? Obviously, we focus on beer. More specifically, right now, we're focusing in on IPAs. And then right now, we're kind of exploring kind of some of the fruit additives and stuff as well. So how is the uh, Austin, Texas scene? Oh, the Austin, Texas scene is growing. Uh, it's amazing. There's always more breweries opening up almost every month now. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating. So you're coming up to two years. Is this your first time pouring at the festival? This is actually my second time. Last year, I was very fortunate that uh, High Sign won a booth in the lottery. And uh, this time, we've had such a great year that we are actually one of the sponsors. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Your beers are fantastic. Thank you. I'm Mari Kemper. I'm owner and general manager of Chuckanut Brewery. And friends of the podcast. And uh, here we and, and here we are again at the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, how many years is this now? Well, we missed a year. We uh, the first year we opened, we didn't have enough beer to go. That was 2008. So 2009, we entered the contest for the first time, and we won Small Brew Pub of the Year with all lager beers. Nobody does that. So it was quite a feat. And then two years later, we were then a small brewery and we won Small Brewing Company of the Year 2011. And then we weren't able to get in in 2013 because we didn't sign up fast enough. And then that was the only time we've missed since um, 2009. So I think this is what, eight, maybe this is our eighth GABF. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so somebody else is doing the math, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah. It's so, around. Yeah. So uh, how is the production facility going down in Burlington? Oh yeah, we opened that facility and we just moved six more tanks down from our North Knot location. Took a while for Will to hook them all up. Will the brewmaster, and uh, now they're all hooked up. So now we'll be upping up the production. And right now, just this year, it's only about 4,000. We're still very, very small. But fully next year, it'll be more like 5,000 or maybe 6,000. And then, you know, uh, that facility has a ton of open space around it. So we have all kinds of big ideas. <laughs> and uh, what does this festival mean to you? Well, you know, we believe in the Craft Brewers Association. We believe that really, craft beer in America would not be what it is today without their help. And so that's why we come as often as we can to the Great American Beer Festival, because we are supporting the Craft Brewers Association. We believe in them. We believe what they're doing is a great thing for craft beer in America. 
And this is night number two. The awards are tomorrow morning. So best yeah. of luck tomorrow. Thank you very much. It's always a little bit nerve wracking. But, uh, you know, well, if we don't get it, we don't get it. We believe we make great beers. It's just a reconfirmation that we do make great beers when we get an award. So, yeah. But thanks. It, but so it's much. great to see everybody down in the hall. So I'll see you down oh, there yeah, tomorrow. Really fun. Yeah, for sure. See you tomorrow. All right. Thank you. And I'm happy to report that Chuck and Hutt Brewery won gold for their Dunkel and silver for their Hellas at this year's Great American Beer Festival. Now, outside of the Great American Beer Festival, there's also the satellite events that are going on. Denver's a big place and there's lots happening. But I was lucky enough to go to the Dogfish Head party that was happening at the Falling Rock Tap House. My name is Chris Block. I'm the owner of the Falling Rock Tap House. My business title is King. Right. But that's uh, with a lowercase k because that shows uh, humility. Yeah, you're not in the eyes of the magistrate. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. All right, so how long has Falling Rock been open? Uh, A little over 21 years. We opened up in the summer of uh, 97. This is our 22nd Great American Beer Festival. Right, and what does Falling Rock mean to Denver? Well, I'd like to think it means that it's kind of like the epicenter for great beer. We don't brew anything. We just serve everybody else's stuff. We're a tap house. I've been involved in the, especially in craft brewing industry for 35 years. I decided to open up my own favorite place to hang out. And we're right next to Coors Field, too. Yeah, that didn't hurt either. We were really lucky to find this location. It's We're half a block from home plate for Coors Field, so we get some really good foot traffic for the baseball games. Uh, a lot of people who love baseball, love really good beer, and want to kind of get out of the kind of, quote, sports bar kind of mentality and whatever the cheapest beer thing is. They love coming in here before and after games. We get a lot of traffic with that. But the other thing that I built it here for is we're only about 15 blocks from the convention center where the Great American Beer Festival is held every year. It was kind of a nice way of getting both of those things because I just saw a need in this community because uh, prior to us opening up, people's idea of what to do for Great American Beer Festival was to hang a banner out in front of their bar saying buckets of Sam Adams for $10. And I was kind of like, you know, if I just put on some really cool beers, people will show up for that. And they're not worried about just the cheapest beer that they can get a hold of. Because like tonight we're here, a special event. You got the tap trunk out in front. Yeah, I have uh, my own draft trailer I put out in the uh, parking lot. If you, uh, there's, you'll notice the noise in the background. It's uh, Miles Davis's Bitches Brew is playing underneath the tent that we have put up here. Because we just turned on Sam Calgione's Dogfish Head uh, Wood Age Bitches Brew, which just came out a couple weeks ago. So we kind of centered the uh, promo around this album and that beer. And so, like, are you officially a free house then? Yeah, we would definitely be like one of the ultimate free houses around this area. Right. So have you had something from every state on tap at one point at one time in your existence? Not quite. There's uh, quite a few states in the southeast that we have not had represented. Let's see. uh, We haven't had anything from Alabama or Mississippi. Uh, We have had Georgia. We've had North Carolina. Definitely have not had South Carolina. But I mean, we're probably somewhere around 40 to 42 states represented so far. Right. So what state do you think is the kind of the breakout state this year in terms of beer? You know, I don't know. It's getting a little tougher these days because so many places have kind of done things like North Carolina kind of broke out about three, four years ago and started putting out some absolutely amazing thing. Unfortunately, that meant it attracted a lot of uh, attention that uh, maybe if you're really a craft brew fan, 
uh, was uh, not maybe the, the most welcome thing. You know, and then California has always been a, a hotbed. Then you get into like the Oregon and Washington stuff. Colorado has been crazy. The Northeast got hot the last like six, seven years also with Maine and, and New England and stuff like that with the uh, hazy IPA stuff. Right. Uh, so I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I have to ask you, what is a favorite from Washington and what's a favorite from Oregon for you? Well, right now from Oregon, I am absolutely in love with John Harris's beer from Ecliptic. I've known John since 1999. He's been, we've had dinner together at my house. We do stuff. My wife. And John and I did a collaboration brew last year for our 20th anniversary. And we did it on the 40th anniversary of the Horse Brass Pub, which is, you know, absolutely dear to my heart. I, I miss Don every day. He and I were like really good friends, did some traveling together. So we decided to do a brew on that day. So there was a good excuse also for us to go to the 40th anniversary party. And we just had an amazing day hanging out together. But there's also a couple others that I'm really, really high on right now. Like, I love what Christian's doing over at, at Wilson People. And then the other Christian over at, uh, of course, Hub and everything yeah. like that. So uh, we just had some of uh, Hub's beers on this week. He was able to get us a little bit of stuff there. That was a lot of fun. And I love what they're doing. You know, their, their whole theme of the bicycles and, 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 and you know, not, not using cars and stuff like that. Really a lot of fun. And uh, I just really enjoy that kind of stuff. And in, in Washington State, I've really been kind of enjoying uh, quite a few of the, the breweries I've gotten lately. And I'm just I'm really kind of like brain farting. It's kind of late at night right now. Well, I mean, the, let me throw one out there, probably Rubens. Man, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then a uh, hometown favorite of mine, Chuck and Nut. Oh, Chuck and Nut's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, okay, let's see if I can go three for three. Yeah. Um, Fremont. Fremont's making some really nice beers. We had we had Lush on about two weeks ago, and we just got a second keg of it that uh, I think right now it's eight days old. Can't get any fresher yeah, than that. Can't get any better than that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I think they were I holding. Mean, did it did have its own seat on the plane to get out here. Well, I mean, no, no, it was like, I think they were holding up the truck waiting to load that keg on there. Right, right. right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You have a great night. Enjoy the GABF. Yep. My name is uh, Sam Calagione. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Dogfish Head Brewing. And you've been a huge inspiration for me in terms of beer. Um, I lived in New Zealand, got into home brewing, and I actually got your beer out in New Zealand. And we get it quite regularly on the West Coast because my hometown is Bellingham, and we get it at Elizabeth Station out there. Yeah. We get stuff really fresh from you. So... I'm a, I'm a big fan of your breweries. Thank you, Aaron. We're, glad, we're, we're proud of what we're doing at Dogfish Head. My question for you really is, where are we in the craft industry now, and where do you think we need to go in terms of growth uh, to just even spread more awareness for the consumer? Well, in, in the U.S. right now, it's awesome that there's never been a better time to be a beer drinker or a beer maker. There's now over 7,000 craft breweries in America, and there's an amazing amount of uh, creativity brewing outside the Rhine Heights Kabot, bringing culinary ingredients in, wood from the wine world in, which is wonderful. But also we have a challenge because wine and spirits are growing faster. So beer has to get its shit together and convince young drinkers that beer is, it should be their go-to drink 
even above spirits and wine. And I mean, that's what you've done for day one with your off-centered ales, right? Like you've really pushed the envelope of what beer can be. Yeah, we were the first, I think, brewery in America committed uh, to making the majority of our beers outside the Rhine Heights Kabout. That was in our business plan. It was true when we were the smallest brewery in America, and it's true today when we're a top 15 brewery in America. All right, and then where do you see the biggest growth in the industry in terms of the states? Because, I mean, you're in Delaware, and like, what's, what's the competition like there in terms of the other breweries? So, yeah, we're in a very small state. We have less than a million people in our state, but we're two hours from D.C., Baltimore, and Philly. So it's a really nice hub to be a local brewery in, and we're lucky that we are considered local in, in all, not just our state, but those cities. So we are growing double digits in our backyard, and that's necessary right now. All breweries across the country, if they distribute in two states or 20 states, they better make sure they're taking care of their whole market before they expand. And what does the Great American Beer Festival mean to you? It means catching up with old friends, my high school friends who live out here who aren't in the beer world, my uh, brewer friends. So it's like a homecoming mixed up with the Super Bowl. So it's a Super Bowl of beer, but it's like a homecoming for us wily vets. And if somebody was to open up a brewery today, what would be some advice you could give them? Oh, I would say uh, there's always room for another great brewery in every in every big town in America. As long as you do three things, uh, you got to come correct with world class quality, consistency, and being well differentiated. Don't copy what other breweries are doing. Find your own niche and make it resonate with beer lovers. Thank you so much, man, for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for doing this. Big thank you to Sam for his time. Really appreciate it. On the final day of the Great American Beer Festival, it was just nuts. Um, but I was fortunate enough to speak with a few breweries representing Cascadia who took home some medals. Bolton Minister, owner and brewer at 5440 Brewing in Washougal, Washington. And where is Washougal? Washougal is just a little bit outside Portland, Oregon. We're just about 10 minutes east of Vancouver, Washington, USA. And uh, uh, yeah, 20 minutes outside the Portland airport. All right. And you've had a big day today. It was a fun day today. Yeah. What did what did you come home with? Uh, so we got the silver for German style Kolsch, right? And how proud are you of that? It's good. Uh, uh, Cascadia is the beer, and I it's the beer that I love to brew and love to drink the most. So it's it's, it's good. Right. It's and then how many categories did you enter? Uh, we entered four categories. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, so congratulations coming home with the medal. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm with Good Life. How you doing? Doing pretty well today, man. That's for sure. Yeah, you've had a big day. What happened to you? Uh, well, we won a consecutive gold medal with our uh, American Pale Wheat uh, Sweet as today. So yeah, two years in a row, right? Yeah, back to back, two years in a row. Yeah. It was awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. We're pretty stoked about this. So pretty happy. All right. And if uh, somebody wants to come down and visit you, where can they find you? And uh, what are you all about? Uh, we're located in beautiful Bend, Oregon, uh, right in the central part of the state. So just ask around town. They'll tell you how to get to us. They know us. There was one brewery in particular that really caught my attention this year at the Great American Beer Festival. They had something pretty unique, and it was very delicious. My name is Melissa Priest. I'm one of the co-founders of the Referend Beer Blendery. And I'm James Priest, and I am also one of the co-founders and, I guess, blender at the Blendery. All right. And when did you guys start? Uh, So we started in early 2016. Our tasting room officially opened at the end of 2016. There's obviously a large lead time with these long-aging beers to get enough beer, mature enough to serve 
you know, to the public in our tasting room. Uh, so coming up in December, this will be two years uh, open in the tasting room. So how did beer find you? Yeah, I moved to Maine in what was that early or late 2010 um, with nothing else to do but join Melissa in her senior year in Maine. And then I started working uh, at Baxter Brewing Company right when they started up. Very serendipitous with the crowd job applications every which way. But uh, yeah, I, I went to school in Boulder, found beer that way, but then found my way into the beer industry. Just that serendipity of being right next to a brand new, young, upstart craft brewery there. But you guys have a really defining characteristic to your brewery, which is really unique. What is that? So everything that we do is 100% spontaneously fermented, which means that we're never adding cultured yeast or bacteria ever. It's all, uh, all of our beers are fermented with ambient yeast and bacteria from the air that come in during the natural cooling process after we brew. We pump our wort out into our cool ship, uh, which is just a giant shallow stainless steel pan. We uh, open it up to the cool winter air and we let it cool naturally overnight. And during that process, we have wild yeast and bacteria that float in and settle on the wort. We then bring that back to our barrel cellar and we put that into oak barrels and then just uh, let them ferment. Usually start between one and seven days after we pump the wort into the barrels and let them, yeah, ferment for months to years. And you said this cool ship is mobile, right? It is, yes. Uh, right, just in the back of a big old box truck, like 26 feet, feet maybe 28 feet. I, know, I can never remember. There you go, 26. Yeah. And we do that because we don't have a brew house. So we brew, brew locally at other breweries. And so our cool ship kind of can accommodate different batch sizes, ranging from 10 up to 40 barrels. So that allows us to brew at kind of any brew house in that range that's willing to basically do these long, long brew days with us of turbid mashing and long boils and uh, a long time of cooling. So you're at the Great American Beer Festival. Is this your first time serving here? It's my technically second time serving here. I was here once with Flying Dog like five years ago, maybe. Uh, but definitely first time as a brewery, first time as, yeah. Pouring everyone all spontaneous beer and yeah, showing everyone what that's about. And what's the response been? Uh, we've been really encouraged by the response. It's a kind of difficult beer to explain. Not everybody knows what spontaneous fermentation is. And so we've been doing a lot of education back here, but people have been incredibly receptive, willing to listen to my very long spiels. Uh, so I've been grateful for that. And people have, yeah, been enjoying the beers, it seems. And how can people learn more about you? So we have a lot of information on our website. Um, James has written up a lot of nice overviews about kind of how this process works, kind of how the biological process works, what our methods are. Yeah, I would say that's the best place or come out to our tasting room where we're happy to talk with you for a long, long time about anything you want to know. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for your time. Really appreciate it. And very, very delicious beers. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Now, I'm at the Great American Beer Festival. So imagine my surprise when I saw a Canadian brewery on the floor. Jim Dodds, Vice President of Operations, Red Truck Beer Company. And you guys are uh, friends of the podcast in Vancouver, but you've just opened in Fort Collins. Yeah, you know what? We're really excited about being down here. This is uh, this is cool. And, you know, being here at the Great American Beer Fest is even cooler. So it's uh, we're glad to be part of this. And we're really excited about being here. So it's, and you know what? It's a ton of fun, great beers. And again, we're looking forward to being part of it also. And uh, how's the reception been in Fort Collins? You know what? It's been really good. Um, we're very happy. Uh, we were hoping to open in May, but we didn't get open until towards the uh, latter part of August. Um, Would have liked to have been there right through this summer. But you know what? This is uh, a journey, not a destination. So you know what? It's uh, it's going to take some time and whatnot. But we've been well received, and you know, having 18 beers on tap, and you know, all different flavors and styles and kinds and whatnot. It's you know what? It's real cool. So why Fort Collins? You know what? We believe that, uh, you know, we looked at a lot of other places in uh, in the U.S. and, 
you know, we just fell in love with Fort Collins and knowing that uh, it is uh, the hotbed for craft beer in America, you know, why not just jump right into the deep end? Yeah, and the deep end's got no water in it. You know what I mean? It's like we're going in head first. So, you know what? Our brand, we feel, really resonates on the east side of the of the Rockies. All about outdoors, music. You know, we're big into the bike scene and whatnot. And yeah, we're just, we, once we, we came here, we're like, we fell in love with the place. And uh, it, it's a great spot. And you know what? Colorado as a whole, just a great state to be and uh, be, be part of. And uh, this is the second night of the festival. Uh, how was the reception for you guys last night? Yeah, last night it was really good. You know, it's uh, we have our truck and trailer here, and uh, you know, it uh, it definitely stands out. And that's what we wanted to do was create a little bit of an impact, and uh, you know, let people know that we're here. So yeah, it was really good last night. We're really uh, looking forward to tonight, and expecting a you know, obviously there's a big crowd here tonight, and and same with tomorrow. So um, yeah, we're 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 really excited about it. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, absolutely. You bet. Yeah, I'm uh, Sean Salyards, and I'm the head brewer at Red Truck Beer USA. Right, Red Truck Beer USA, because, yeah, it is a Canadian company. So how did you get involved with Red Truck? I actually worked for the company that they were uh, in the process of purchasing the uh, the brewery building from, you know, over the course of uh, about eight months or so, ended up being friends with them, and kind of out of nowhere, they reached out with an offer. Easy. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> very easy. You know, very easy to get along with. You know, Justin's a great guy, and... It's been pretty awesome being able to work with these guys and working with, you know, Justin specifically. So, I mean, like you have recipes from the Vancouver facility. Do you get to craft some of your own recipes as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these guys have been wonderful because they realize that the market is just a little bit different. So we kind of had a long discussion about what brands we thought would do well here. Uh, and we decided to bring those down so that there's some sort of uh, continuity. But the other recipes are mine designed for specifically the Colorado market where you know I, I grew up and have been drinking beer my entire life. So you have a palate for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So uh, what's a favorite beer of yours to make? Right now, I'm really liking the black lager, uh, and generally lagers in general. I like to brew what I like to drink, and uh, I like to drink you know three or four beers at a time. So a lot of it ends up being some of the lower alcohol lager stuff, uh, which kind of doubles as, as fun because it is the most difficult beer to brew, uh, and it makes me feel good that we can pump out you know consistent clean loggers. All right, well, congratulations. And I'm uh, glad to see that you guys have a great reception here at the festival. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. I just wanna say thank you so much to everybody for their time, really appreciate it. I mean, it's the Great American Beer Festival, schedules are tight. It is just insane for those few days where everybody piles into Denver. It was great meeting a lot of new breweries. It's great seeing old friends again, and uh, can't wait to return, hopefully next year. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share this episode. We really appreciate it. Gets this podcast into as many ears as possible. Also, hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app or leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really like the show, we'd really appreciate your support by heading over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer, where you can support this podcast series for as little as a dollar an episode. If you want to check out more episodes, including my previous episode on the Great American Beer Festival 2017, you can do so by heading to our website at cascadian.beer. And don't forget to follow us on our social media channels as well. On Instagram, I'm at Cascadian Beer Podcast on Facebook.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. And I'm on Twitter at Cascadian Beer. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I know this episode in particular was a little bit different, but uh, thanks for sticking around. And until next time, remember, support your local.